Robbie here. I recently read an article in a publication which is highly regarded by folks who have been categorized as liberals. It has to do with becoming or remaining happy by spending one's time around people who are positive and upbeat. The writer seems, to me at least, impervious to the world around him, and that a cocoon composed of blissfully positive people may temporarily soothe us, but also lull us into a false sense of security, making us even more vulnerable than we already are to what have become, frankly, dire threats to our way of life. Reinforcing this belief, for me, is the recent change of heart of a very wise man I am privileged to know. He is many years my senior, who over the years we've known each other, has turned from adversary to mentor, and who has become a dear and cherished friend. This man has many candles on his cake, but more importantly, has had a far greater number of meaningful experiences and the deep understandings that result from them than he does candles. We verbally spar, at times vociferously, which is fancy talk for loud, adamant, blood vessels close to bursting disagreements. He's by nature an optimist, with a positive can-do spirit, as much of one as anyone I've ever met. He was and still is a nationally respected attorney. He did his military service long ago, and as just one example of where he comes from, was disgusted by Joe McCarthy's Communist Inquisition in the 50s and America's prolonged tolerance for it. Still, he's remained an unflappable optimist. Until now. He's got an email group, which consists of learned and talented women and men in all fields, whose accomplishments are awesome, whether in the operating room, presenting to the Supreme Court of the United States, or giving acceptance speeches at major entertainment awards events. Last night, he sent the group a note that conveyed an atypically negative outlook regarding the future of our nation. He referred to the Republican Party as the tool of Donald Trump. Not going to touch that one. And although many Republicans claim to resent that characterization, those with even an ounce of introspection and conscience who support and even adore Trump ugh, cannot dispute Trump's stranglehold unless they're engaged in some deep denial or they're making money from maintaining their false postures or both. He wrote that Trump supporters should no longer call themselves American because his disregard for the Constitution has disqualified him from claiming to be one. And their choosing to be disciples of his disqualifies them as well. And decent Americans who have voted Republican in the past should leave the Republican Party because there is no chance that it can return to what it was while Donald Trump remains a public figure. 
He believes that all decent Democrats, Republicans, and independents should gather the courage to face the fact that American fascism has arisen here through the personage of Trump. He continues, The best the pathetic GOP can do now is insist that January 6th at the Capitol was just a guided tour of the building, that the 2020 election was rigged, and the only way America can be saved is to prevent all those fraudulent voters who are dangerous to the interests of the party and the party line from ever voting again. He concludes in as forceful and foreboding a way as I have ever heard him. The problem we face is that this is so unpleasant to realize that we will do anything to avoid realizing it and confronting it. And that's what the Trumpers are counting on. Now, I felt compelled to respond with a message even more ominous in content and tone than he conveyed. So I wrote him back, and my response was the antithesis of what was expressed by the blissfully blind expert on happiness, who I referred to at the top of this piece. But it also makes me your best friend, even though I am presenting what, to put it mildly, are insights that will not help you sleep any easier. I wrote this. I've been fretting about my belief that today's Republicans have no allegiance and no connection to the truth and possess a huge war chest at the same time. When the daughter of Dick Cheney says that some Republican legislators vote the way they do because they're afraid for their lives, I believe her. Short of a collective and focused uprising, the likes of which I'm not sure the best of us are capable of, we are on the cusp of something awful. That's what I wrote him. The paralysis that results from the denial and avoidance of these foul winds of change is what I fear will impede an effective resistance to what looms large. My friend and I spoke later in the day, and he, with much sadness, agreed. Now, at crucial moments in history, the bearer of bad tidings has often been the one who conveys the very warning that eventually leads to a brighter future. Think Paul Revere on a horse yelling, the British are coming, at the top of his lungs. Think of not just Jews, but members of all faiths who got out of Germany in the late 20s and early 30s and urged other more complacent folks to do the same. The expression of appropriately unpleasant indignation and agitation not some soft and fuzzy message about surrounding oneself with positive people, is a necessity right now if we are to have any chance of avoiding succumbing to what I can best refer to as a dirty snowball that continues to gain mass and momentum and comes complete with a lack of liberty and a lack of justice for all. 
and may whoever or whatever each of us considers to be our God, may that God help us all. Have a good day. (laughs) This is Robbie. Stay well. Speak soon.